0: Hey, recording live, the newest episode of Mindset Moves Podcast, exclusively for you, the members of The Minimalist Method for Prosperous Female Entrepreneurs. I love helping other people to not have to go through some of the tests and trials that I did if possible this is where you get the first dibs of the best business strategies ever so you can grow your revenue while minimalizing your time, your efforts, and your energy. There's great coaches, there's people in this field. So yeah, you want them on your team. Hi, and welcome to the newest episode recording of Mindset Moves, recorded exclusively for you, the members of my Facebook community, The Minimalist Method for Prosperous Entrepreneurs. I'm here with my friend, Lindsay, who has, you guys are going to be at the edge of your seats. She has one of the most inspiring stories and such deep, chapters and where she is today i'm just uh proud to call her a colleague and a friend and we actually went to high school together have a very similar journey so i'm excited for her to share those details with you and uh if you are watching if you are listening and you are on a platform where you can comment please tell us where you are listening from tell us that you're here and we encourage you to comment engage ask questions If we have some time at the end of our uh, spiel here, I am happy to answer them live. And that's one of the exclusive benefits and bonuses of being part of my Facebook community, The Minimalist Method for Prosperous Entrepreneurs. Without further ado, go ahead, Lindsay, tell them who you are and let's share your story so we can inspire others.
1: Thank you so much, Marta, for this opportunity. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing my story. My name is Lindsay. I'm a nurse practitioner, and I'm the owner of Scrubbed Aesthetics Medical Spa, which is located in Cranberry Township. Um, Did you want me to kind of get into my story, like right off?
0: Yeah. So, well, I guess I can ask you the question of, and if you guys are listeners and viewers who have watched the show, you know my story, which is why. I leaned so into Lindsay. And by the way, my, I, maybe she doesn't want me to say this if you're watching on a platform that you can watch, but my eyebrows are still strong from 2020. Maybe she doesn't feel that way. Cause she's the, she's an expert, but I'm still loving my eyebrows. And that's back when scrubbed aesthetics, your business was, that was your bread and butter. That was your, that was your, that was your thing was the eyebrows. And now there's been so much growth, even, um, from that. But uh, yeah, tell us your story of, I think even back then, I didn't know everything that you had been through. And I I just kind of catch bits and pieces like everybody else on social media when you share your story. And thank you for doing that. So I'm interested to hear what brought you to what you're doing today? What inspired you, but let's even go back to the beginning of, um, the, the realest and rawest parts that you do share about. And I want, I want to hear all about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like Marta said, I started my business in 2019, um, as a permanent makeup artist and it was a permanent makeup studio. Originally my business, I started at my dining room table in my kitchen And then I scaled to a one room studio space, very small space. And I kind of stayed there for the past three years, um, located in Wexford until I was able to open my medical spa. But some of the things that Marta had mentioned, even prior to getting into business in 2019, my journey into nursing um, was definitely not the conventional version of how people kind of get into the, the healthcare field and just kind of how I grew up as well. So... Um, just going back to the very beginning, uh, I like to say, you know, I hit rock bottom became a burnout out nurse and now I'm a med spa CEO. And that's because it kind of encompasses the stages of how I grew up, how I became a nurse and, and where I'm at today. Um, and going back to the rock bottom portion growing up, we grew up in, I, I grew up in McCandless. I don't know if you're a Wexford girl or, or McCandless, but we grew up in the same neighborhood. So she's really yes, we did.
0: We have listeners all throughout. So it's like this, yeah. it's, a, it's the suburbs of Pittsburgh. It's a it's a pretty nice, beautiful area of, of the city, pretty safe.
1: Yeah, so uh, again, like McCandless Township went to North Allegheny School District. It's a really nice area, northern suburb of Pittsburgh, like she mentioned. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity there. <clears throat> um, I came from a really great family. My parents have been married for like 54 years. They're amazing people. Um, so I had a really great childhood. Um, I think where that kind of went a different direction is just how I grew up. We grew up in what, the late nineties, early two thousands. It was kind of the height of the opioid pandemic. And, um, I don't know if you guys have seen like that dope sick documentary on Netflix.
0: No, I've never seen it. Do you recommend it?
1: Yeah. It kind of goes through like what the opioid pandemic looked like, how it kind of got where it went and kind of started encroaching into these like suburban neighborhoods and the effects that it had. So it was really interesting, but I feel like that's kind of what happened within, you know, my childhood and a lot of my friend group kind of fell into that, those issues. And while, you know, opioid addiction is not part of my story, I was exposed to drugs and alcohol at a really young age. <clears throat> um, so I just kind of went down the wrong path, essentially. Um, and that ended up kind of just getting worse as I got older. Um, you know, by the time I was 21, I was a single mother. I had multiple criminal convictions, um, drug convictions. I had three separate DUI convictions, which made my journey into nursing extremely difficult. Um, so as I decided to become a nurse, my dream was always to, to be an ICU nurse and, going through, you know, my criminal background and trying to become that nurse. Um, it took about a decade. So
0: now why was that your dream of becoming an ICU nurse? Was there, had you been in the ICU yourself for?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, so I worked as a dental assistant and I worked for an oral surgeon um, for part of that time. And I would kind of work in and out of the hospitals a little bit, you know, when I had that role and I would just see nurses changing shift. Like I like the critical care aspect of things. And like, it's just something that I've always wanted to be when I, when I was younger, um, the goal was kind of to be a nurse anesthetist. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just kind of always loved it, I guess.
0: All right. So then from there, what brought you to what you want to do today? What you do today? Yeah. So, I
1: mean, you know, I went through all those things and every aspect of becoming a nurse and kind of getting into the professional healthcare, you know, um, realm of things was difficult with a criminal background, you know? So there was a lot of things that I had to do comply with. I was in a monitoring program. I had a restricted license. I lost my driver's license. Like there was just a lot that I had to do and get through. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did eventually achieve that goal. I became that ICU nurse. Um, and, you know, it, it was one of those things where like the hardest, one of the hardest realizations I had to make through this process was that once I became an ICU nurse, I realized that it wasn't really what I wanted at all. Um, mm. I, I feel like, you know, if you think about nursing, they talk a lot about burnout. Mm. And I think nursing as a profession is is extremely difficult emotionally, physically. So there's a lot of that as well. But when I'm really honest with myself, my you know, journey into becoming a nurse and everything I had to kind of go through to get there, I probably was burnt out to a degree before I even actually became that, that ICU. Right.
0: right. Um, I mean, think about all the things that you were juggling just to become a nurse. I can't imagine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I had a really hard night in the ICU. I had, you know, two really difficult, critical, critically ill patients. Um, And that was just kind of it for me. Like I, after that night, I was like, you know, this isn't it. Um, It was kind of hard to wrap my head around the fact that like, yes, this dream that I had no longer serves me. And then, Mm. you know, it's like, when I tell my story, I'm not just telling my own story. I'm telling the story of my parents and, you know, people that are close to me, my daughter. Um, So it's like, you know, my ability to be successful directly impacts them as well. So then saying like, I no longer want this, you know, that choice also directly. impacts. That's
0: hard. And I do, I want to address the fact that oftentimes with backgrounds like Lindsay and I have, we're much more likely to go into that burnout mode because we're trying so hard to prove that we're no longer those rejects, those, those, uh, failures, those black sheep. So we're going hardcore times 10 to prove our worth through hard work and, um, and I think there's definitely something to be said for entrepreneurs too. And tell us if this is you, that you will work so hard to get to a certain point, even in entrepreneurship. And then you're like, Oh, shoot, I actually don't want to do this at all. Uh, but you're ashamed and you're embarrassed to make the shift. Cause that's all you talk about. Maybe you're very visible about what you do and that's your identity. And it's mm-hmm. sounds crazy to you to make a shift. So I love that you did that Lindsay.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I definitely can relate to all those things. I think it's I, yeah, probably all entrepreneurs, like you said, but I think nurses, like we identify with our roles, um, so significantly that like letting go of the title as an ICU nurse, like, I mean, it just sounds cool. Right. So like, I'm going to let that go. was just really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. but in hindsight, like all of these things, all of these seasons of my life have kind of built on one another and, have put me into where I'm at today and kind of where I'm settling into like what my purpose really is and discovering all of that. Like every part of my journey has had a space there and has had a reason, you know, to push me into where I'm at. So, you know, it's all, it's all part of the part of the game, I guess.
0: (laughs) I do want to ask you and go back to like the rock bottom moment. What would you say was your rock bottom moment that uh, allowed you to decide this is it. I'm down. I'm not living this way anymore. I'm ready to be better for myself. And would you say that there was an influence that led you to that?
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know that it was like this aha moment per se, but I had found myself, you know, I lived at that rock bottom level for a while. And, you know, I do remember like a specific moment where I at least was having this kind of internal dialogue with myself. Um. At the time I was 25. Um, I was on currently on house arrest. I, you know, when I graduated nursing school, I walked to, um, get my diploma with an ankle bracelet on. So it was kind of that, that space Mm -hmm. that I was in at the time. My daughter was four years old. Um, I was going to my court date for my third DUI was approaching. And at that point in time, like my criminal offense attorney told me, like, I was looking at three years in a state correctional facility. Like,
0: wow.
1: um, I had it, the realization of like, I'm probably going to go to prison or some form of like a halfway house or something. I'm probably going to lose my child for a period of time, uh, was real, you know? And at that point I was like, I just remember sitting on my couch and thinking to myself, like everything, that I'm going to have to do to get myself out of this is going to take me 10 years. And realistically that's, I'm going to be 35, 36 year old woman at that point. And I just kind of like, it was almost like an out of body experience. like what would that 35 year old version of myself think about me now? Like and whatever decision I make right now, moving forward and continue to make is going to directly impact who that woman is, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like one of those, those moments. And also just the, The extreme fear of having to lose my child, like I'm a single mother, you know, um, was real, you Mm -hmm. know? And it was just kind of at that point, like I was all in, like whatever that meant. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. I knew it was going to be hard. Um, and it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done, but I was all in. And I was, I made that decision that I was going to do whatever it took for me to overcome all those things and
0: change my life. And what would you say needed to happen in order for you? You didn't know at the time. Do you know now? Yeah. What did it take?
1: Yeah. I mean, initially, you know, it was going to court. Um, you know, I I did get sober. I practiced full abstinence for a decade. Um, you know, so part of that was just letting go of people, places and things. I know that's like a recovery slogan, but it, it really is real. So like I had to let go of you know, the people I was surrounding myself with, because they were in the same circumstances as I was, I I moved myself out of the apartment in the city I was living in, moved myself out to, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in around people that were supportive for me, like my parents, um, and just things like everything about my life had to change drastically. Um, I had to go to court. I had to stand in front of a judge and, you know, um, judge Rangos was my last, uh, the last judge that i had to stand in front of and she actually i didn't know at the time but she works kind of like in re-entry programs and stuff so she she really enjoys like that aspect of her work but um i read her a letter and was just kind of like put it all all out on the table like i'm graduating nursing school i'm a single mother like this is what i'm inspiring to be this is kind of where i want went and this is what i'm look i'm really going to commit to doing um and she she allowed me to kind of stay on house arrest. I didn't have to go to prison. I didn't have to go into an inpatient facility. I was able to be a mother and graduate. Um, when I graduated nursing in two thousand and eleven, part of the professional aspect of what I had to go through was um being allowed to become a nurse. So when I graduated, like I said, I walked um, I walked to receive my diploma with a ankle bracelet on, and it was like this really exciting moment, but I also knew that like, there was a really strong chance that the state of Pennsylvania was not going to allow me to become a nurse. Mm Um, so as I went through that process of being able to sit for my boards to actually become a nurse that took, um, they initially denied my petition. So they wanted to see, um, documented sobriety. They wanted me to be <clears throat> in a monitoring program. You know, I had to go to meetings, do urine screens and that whole thing. And they wanted to see at least three years of that documentation before I could even repetition the state. Um, wow. so after I graduated nursing, I got a job as a nursing assistant, making $10 and 76 cents an hour, even though I'm a graduated RN,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I worked three jobs. I was on welfare to provide for my child, and I did everything I was supposed to do. And I repetitioned the state with that three years of documentation. And I thought, you know, I did everything they asked me to do. Like they're going to allow me to finally sit for my boards and become a nurse. And um, they they denied it again. So- You really um, wanted
0: to become a nurse, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, you know- it, Do, you, do you, it was, you wonder if back then the universe was like, no, Lindsay, no, this isn't what we wanted to do. but I, but I, I'm not saying that I'm saying, do you wonder that? Do you wonder that?
1: Yeah. I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to achieve this. Like I was, when I say all in, like you, there was nothing that was going to stop me, um, regardless of what timeline that looked like, like there was just nothing. And I knew full-heartedly that I would achieve this goal. Um, I think that was God's way of saying not yet. Um, you know, because I spent a lot of time getting myself to where I was and I was going to have to really put the work in to get myself out of that. And that was not going to be an easy fix, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I did eventually obviously petition the state. They granted me my ability to sit for my boards. That was two, two or three months short of four years after I graduated. So I graduated 2011. I wasn't able to become a nurse till 2015. Um, and I did, I took my boards. I became a nurse. I worked through the ICU. Um, but that part too, it's like, when I finally became a nurse, it doesn't just all become easy. You know, I was a nurse with a criminal background out of school for four years with no job history, no actual experience. I had explained that I was again, re-entered into that monitoring program for an additional three years. So start to finish, I spent 10 years in professional criminal monitoring. Um, But like through that process, I didn't have a driver's license. Uh, I had to go on job interviews. I went on 52 job interviews before I got my first yes to become a nurse. Um, I had a restricted license. I couldn't pass narcotics. Like there was just a lot to that process as well uh, that I also had to go through. And then just like, you know, accessibility, like just not having a driver's license for seven years, like your ability to like
0: in Pittsburgh, that is, I mean, there's many cities where that's not an issue, but in Pittsburgh, I know I have clients who come for photo shoots and they're like, so yeah, where can I go? So that I'm, you know, it's, I can use public transportation, not anywhere I live,
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, like, you know, McCandless, like the bus route doesn't even come out. Yeah, I I don't even
0: have bus stops where I live. I don't, (laughs) I have no idea. It's terrible.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's where my parents really came in. Like they were my rock through all of this, um, through all the good, the bad and the ugly and everything in between. You know, I I did spend a lot of time, you know, with my bus card or whatever, but you know, my parents also drove me to those places where, you know, the bus line didn't run. So I was able to, take advantage of opportunities because I had a really strong support system. So I just want to recognize that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a lot, you know, and even just, you know, like I'm on the other end of that. I'm no longer in criminal professional monitoring programs, but that criminal background is always a part of me. So even like entering into grad school to become a nurse practitioner, they want like a full, like they had to meet on a board to determine whether or not I was worthy of being a student at their school. Wow whether or not I was able to go sit through clinical, you know, clinicals and, and all of those things, um, personal statements. I write personal statements. I have a folder on my computer of personal statements that I send to schools, jobs. I mean, I've had to send them to everybody, right. Um, my malpractice insurance, they asked for a uh, letter from my sponsor Which like, you know, if you're in a recovery program, you know, that's, that's a private kind of thing, but they wanted Mm -hmm. like a letter from a sponsor. I thought that was really intrusive um, considering, you know, that was in 2019. My last criminal conviction was 2009. So it's just always hurdles, obstacles, um, at least having to explain yourself
0: and every step that you take.
1: So yeah, it, it was a lot. It's, it's been a, it was a lot.
0: Which is so difficult because I'm one who is often saying, you don't know anyone, any explanations. You don't need to tell anyone your reasoning, why, why you do anything, but for yeah. you, you legally had to. And, yeah. um, and I just hearing your story is just such an inspiration because if you want it bad enough, it's going to happen. And I always am reminding you guys, listeners and viewers, if it's on your heart, God put it there. And he's already laid out the map. And I get chills every time I say it and tears in my eyes because it's so beautiful. And I see it in you, Lindsay, that like he had this on your heart and he laid out the map and he said, it's not going to be easy, but you did it. Um, And by the way, we have Caroline Martin watching. She says, well done, Lindsay. Good morning, gorgeous ladies. She's watching from South Park. If you are watching and listening, please keep commenting. So while I wipe away my tears, Lindsay, go ahead, keep going, (laughs)
1: I appreciate that. Um, I think too, it's like um you're probably gonna make me emotional now too. Um, please
0: let's let's cry together. That's one of my favorite. I, things. I'm not
1: gonna cry through this. I'm just gonna be very professional. But um yeah, I I do, I think all of that led me to my relationship with God, like personal relationship. And I am a Christian. I won't get like woo-hoo on the religious thing, but um that's also you know important to recognize. Um, that part as well but then also just like I feel very called to at least you know at this I I don't really know what it looks like share my story Um, I know that my story is meant for a greater impact and has purpose and I'm not really sure what that is I feel like I'm being lead led to that purpose currently Um, but I know that that just initially starts with sharing my story um so I just feel like it's it's an obligation and also um, a privilege to be able to share it. And I don't know that that was always the case. I think, you know, not just even stories that go down this deep or even worse, but just in general, I think a lot of us, we focus on what other people are gonna think about us and that prevents us from doing a lot of things. Um, and I remember when I first started sharing my my story I kind of, I didn't know what outlet that looked like. So I did, I wrote like a little blog post and kind of sh- started sharing it on my social media. Um, and most of the feedback was like positive. People were like, oh, you know, you did an amazing job. And, and that's like, you know, validating, you know, you everybody, we all want to be told we're doing a good job, right? Um, but there's always, and regardless of what this is, as you elevate or try to do something with purpose, you're gonna have critics, right? So there there was those people that, you know, really like the haters, whatever you wanna call them. And um, I experienced that pretty significantly in a um, role as I had as a nurse in the hospital, where it was really like um, workplace, like horizontal violence to, to a point where they were trying to like bully me because they knew my background. Um, so I've kind of, you know, experienced that as well. And it was really uncomfortable. I, I don't think I was initially prepared for that experience, but, you know, on the other end of that, I feel like it was necessary because at this point, I'm just like the good, bad and the ugly. Like I'm here to share my story because it's going to have impact. Um, and it doesn't feel scary anymore. You know what I mean? Like I kind of and the swear- truth will
0: set you free, you know, there's no yeah. reason to hide your story because the truth will set you free. And I, those who, matter, won't care. And those who care don't matter. Right. So I'm so glad that you yeah. you are sharing that. And I do, I feel like I put myself in a little bubble. So when I hear of these stories of people, adults, bullying, I'm like, oh, that's right. There's still so much hurt and pain in the world and people will act, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And I actually, uh, I keep saying that because I, the host of a podcast I was on last week, reminded me of that as I was sharing my story and uh, abuse towards me. And he reminded me, hurt people, hurt people. And I said, you know what? You're right. Hurt people, hurt people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But they're still listening, you know, and there's a reason why yes. they're triggered by that story. So hopefully. That's- yes, exactly. You know, and exactly. not, my story may not be some, you know, the, the story for them, but there's a reason why they're listening. So.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Seeds, you know, and and you know, I think when your purpose is founded in really just trying to help people, um, it doesn't matter. Like that, you just get. I think once you get the first one out of the way, where you really feel that hurt and pain from somebody who who did that to you, wrong, hurt you in that way, the the rest is like it just comes with the territory, right? Like right. as you elevate, you're going to have that other side of it, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's like you get comfortable with it, and it no longer matters what they say negative about you. Like I wear it like a badge of honor. Um, Cause I know like when I was in court-ordered treatment, I spent a lot of times in you know recovery programs, church basements and AA meetings and whatnot. And there was people's stories. I mean, these people are all walks of life, right? So they come from like homeless to CEOs and everything in between, right? And their stories were just amazing transformations of what they've been able to do with their lives you know and honestly that gave me permission and initially saved my life so I realized like the stories of hope can be so impactful and also just really like save somebody's life I mean it's it's that important so
0: yeah so, okay. So you nurse, ICU nurse, you decided you weren't going to do that anymore. That wasn't your path anymore. And like, where are you now? And what, what were the steps again? I, I remember you starting scrub yeah. aesthetics and me watching your social media and, uh, seeing the awesome pictures of like, you'd be in your nurse's outfit, but you would have, you know, your toolkit for making, uh, allowing women to feel more beautiful in their, in their own skin. Can you tell me a little bit more about that journey?
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I found myself in a place where I was truly burnt out. Um, and you know, I had to sit with that and and came to that realization that was no longer what I wanted. Like, what did I want? You know, what was important to me? Um, and I'm just a very, you know, like type a aggressive, assertive personality type. So like business ownership, when I stepped into that role, I was like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is what I'm meant for. But you know, initially when I kind of started to think about what is it that I want the same kind of, like, there was one word that just came to mind over and over again. And that was freedom. Mm. Uh, Cause I feel like I had lived my, I had essentially been institutionalized um, even though I wasn't like inside the walls of a prison or you know a jail. I, every move I made, every decision I made, everything I did, how I got there, what I did when I was there was dictated by somebody else, Um, whether that's the criminal justice system or the professional monitoring program I was in, I was completely held captive for a decade. Um, so I realized like whatever I do want, it's going to give me freedom, freedom of choice, opportunity, um, freedom to make my own schedule, you know, with nursing itself, uh, I think, you know, and this could be a whole other podcast, honestly, but some of the issues within nursing are that, There's no work life balance, right? And I think, you know, when you're a business owner, there really isn't that either. It's not really about balance, but it's being able to kind of dictate your schedule in a way that you're able to wrap it around the things that are important to you. And with working shifts, nights, weekends, holidays, like I wasn't able to do that. So even though I had elevated myself to a certain income level that was better than, you know, where I had been. I still was like working, essentially living to work, missing all the things with my daughter. Like, that's why I worked so hard was to give her this life and opportunity. And I was missing out on her games and, you know, whatever, um, it, you know, and just all those kind of things. And it's like, what's going to give me that freedom and that control that I didn't have for so long that I've, I really value. Um, and that's kind of where entrepreneurship kind of came into play. And looking back on my life, like I've always been an entrepreneur you know, initially as a child, like I can remember the one time I wanted to do a lemonade stand in my we didn't have lemonade. So I like set up a table outside of my parents' house and I started selling like milk. It was like 90 degrees out of summer. So I started selling warm milk. And
0: you I tested have- the market for warm milk. Okay. I how was,
1: they- yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, and <laughs> like I didn't have glasses, like plastic cups to give people to take. So they would have to drink the milk, pay for the milk, drink it there and give me back the cup. Like I visit I like. And like there was like these two like really nice neighbors that bought (laughs) milk (laughs) coffee. Did they pretend to drink (laughs) it No, they just like gave me the money. They were like, oh honey here. You know, they don't want to drink the more milk. Yeah. Um, Out of the
0: glasses that they (laughs) that Like I
1: was always my, my, I've always been a dreamer and like, you know, like a thinker and like a visionary, like my head is always going, you know? And so it just made, it made sense. And, and I, I really, I feel very blessed to be able to take nursing, which I do love. Like, even though what I thought I wanted within that space was not it, like, I I don't want to be an ICU nurse. I still very much identify and love being a nurse. So being a nurse practitioner and being able to focus in aesthetic medicine, it was like the best of both worlds. I get to own a business, I get to create, I get to be a nurse and I get to help people. So it just encompassed everything that I wanted. Um, and I'm free, like, although you know we're all business owners, you know, we work harder than
0: but no, I think if you're doing it, I, I don't, I hate to say something's being done wrong or right, but if you're yeah. doing it in in the purpose driven mindset that you went into it for, which is the freedom, then you can have the balance and you can have ease. And there are certainly times where in your business and seasons in your business that you do need to work hard. But once you get to a certain point, like I'm sure you opening your new location and adding services and adding team, those are seasons that you do need to work a little harder but then there're yeah. seasons that you can let go and just fully enjoy your family and and life and have that that balance but go ahead
1: no yeah i agree with you i feel like um i i've always and i appreciate that so much like i i really need to tap into that minimalist mindset because i'm just kind of starting to wrap my head around what that looks like for me because i feel like i've always been in this survival mode this grind you've got to fight your way out of yeah. it And that's exhausting. Yes. Like, you know, I'm in a place now where it's like, I'm still very much in that grind because I did open the medical spa in November and I'm focusing on adding services, building a team. All of this is foreign. How do I do this? You know, but it's like setting my business up as in a way that it functions without me necessarily absolutely doing, wearing all the hats, doing all the roles. And I'm just kind of getting in a place where I'm starting to delegate those off and be able to establish my business that way. So I'm looking forward to that because I know it's like coming. Um, and then it's just also kind of like, there is a place where you, at least for me living in that survival mode, that grind for so long, figuring out what, what that, peaceful like you know freedom pause kind of place in your business looks like because like that's that's also going to be very new to me
0: <laughs> I think that you would really love the conversation uh, that I'm having with my one of my beautiful guardian angels on earth hypnotherapists who helped me through the healing of the trauma that I've been through, so I can get to that place peacefully so that I can, I have a lot of pause and I have a lot of peace, even with six kids, you know? Um, so, and it's, and it, it, it is a real thing that once you get yeah. to the place of, I, you can have pause and peace, you, your brain won't allow it and you'll just keep finding other things to just take up your time. Right. So healing d- is necessary sometimes and uh, very, very, very helpful. I'm just so, so grateful for it.
1: Yeah. I'd love that recommendation. Cause I feel like I do struggle with that to be completely transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and just my personality type, like I'm very, I've done like, oh, we did the disc assessment recently for entrepreneur yeah. group that I'm in. Mean, I don't know if you're uh, yeah. Yes. So I'm like a DDI, which is like the most like
0: aggressive,
1: yeah. <laughs> aggressive personality type there is. So like, I, I'll run myself dry.
0: I have to tell you, by the way, Lindsay leading up to this episode, she's like on top of it, right? Because I have some guests and I'm that type of guest. So I'm like, hey, we're on in one minute. What do I do? And Lindsay messaged me two weeks prior and I'm like, let me just make sure she knows that it's in two weeks. And she's like on top of it. She's prepared. She texted me yesterday. Hey, just checking in. I'm (laughs) like, wow, I'm really I, you know, I'm like, where am I going? Where am I supposed to be? Which is why I'm so grateful for my for my team. But this is something that I wanted to say uh, through this moment and conversation is that you need to remember everyone that your business is it at its most valuable when you are not in it. So sometimes your brain goes, "Well, you're 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 being lazy or you're slacking off if you're not in your business." And you know how you're being a bad leader or CEO if you're making other people doing all the things, and here you are drinking mimosas, you know, on your deck or something like that. That's what your brain is telling you. But in reality, you're actually being very helpful to the longevity and legacy of your business by taking yourself out of it as much as you can because you cannot sell yourself when it comes time to retire, but you can sell your business and pass it on to other generations too.
1: I love that. I. I heard you. I'm so I. I'm part of being ready for this podcast. I also listen to your podcast a lot. Oh,
0: there you go. Like I'm very impressed. I'm oh, so impressed.
1: I need to hear the flow. I need to, you know, um, that's just my personality type. I'm. Not, I love it. I'm like I'm, a crazy person in here. No,
0: I a hundred percent appreciate it and love it.
1: <laughs> but I, I, so to ask you a question because I feel like I'm in this space where, like, I'm really I with the medical spot, like when I had the permanent makeup studio, I was in one room, one woman show. I mean, I had some employees, short-term employees they either rented space or, you know, whatever. This is like a whole brick and mortar. Like you need the front desk. You need the esthetician. You need all the things you need to do the, you need to have the marketing professional. You need to have all this. And I'm right. getting in a place where I'm structuring all of that. Like mm-hmm. what is your, um, I guess recommendation for somebody who is like Planning for that, wrapping their head around that for steps, like I don't know, any insight that you could have would be amazing.
0: Well, just think about all the things that you don't want to do, and hire someone who's better at doing those things than you for all of those spots. And then you might wonder, but then like, what what do I do? And you know, that's your choice. For me, I get to be a full time mom to my six kids. I get to take care of my dad who has Alzheimer's, and I just get to take him to all those appointments and take and just soak up every minute of of him right? That we have and get them together with the kids as much as possible. But for you, that might be that you go out and you, you speak, right? And your job is then to share the mission of your brand and you get paid to speak. And that's another source of source of revenue. But for me and how I have it structured is I have the magical, lovely Danielle, who's my VP of marketing and operations, and she kind of oversees everything. And I do pop into client meetings or, in we have, you know, regular team meetings where I pop in and I share my, the expertise as they need it. They um, are very good at, they're going to tap me when they absolutely do not know the answer. And um, because again, I have to remind myself that that's how the business is at its most valuable when they don't need me for anything, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answered your question, but I feel like it's a much deeper conversation that we could have a whole other episode. That. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I figured I'd put you on the spot real quick because yeah. I'm like planning for that. And like, like you said, I've kind of like brain dumped all the things that I need and roles that I need to fulfill. And then it's just like forming that execution plan and and doing it, which is, it's so fun, but I think it's like, also you feel very pulled in multiple directions. Like I'm getting married in 44 days.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. So I am just like all over the place, you know. Yes. So.
0: and what, what I found to be most helpful is that when somebody is trained, that I actually have them as their assignment to write a manual of their uh of their position. So then I can ensure that they are a hundred percent certain of what they're doing. Like I can look over it, but now I have a physical document for when that person for whatever reason, moves on in life, they have this document. They just, they train the next person. Right. Uh, so that's been a big help that everybody has kind of created their own instruction manual that I've read over. And now we have a physical document that stands on its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great idea.
0: Yeah. It's harder, I think. In, I mean, we are in a communications marketing position. A lot of my grad of my team are graduates of like professional writing, media, and so they're much more used to writing documents. So it might be harder for ones who uh, didn't go to school for that or that's not their background. But um, the medical
1: professionals, where we don't spell well, (laughs) are not good at grammar, like. we speak in, it's like a whole different like language, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. new. So maybe
0: one person, one person <laughs> who's like your office manager and she has a background in communications and so she can write it all out. Yeah, and that could be one of her job. But the biggest thing is, you know, anything that falls on your lap, really think about, does this really need to be on my lap? Does this really need to be on my shoulders? Who could be better fit for me to delegate that back out? And the big thing that yeah. I... When I find that there's a team member who's still learning, like consistently going back to me, asking me questions of what they should do, I just pose the question back to them and say, well, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. And then they'll, you know, kind of think about it and go, well, I think we should do this or we could do this. And I'm like, which, which option do you think we should try first? Mm-hmm. We should do this. And I'm like, great, let's do it. If it's a huge mistake, we'll learn from it. You know? There's, yeah. we'll be fine, you know?
1: Yeah, it's wild to think about um, really growing a team. And I think I'm very, I want to be very intentional about what that culture looks like, because I I have worked in, you know, like I shared a little bit of that, like, you know, unhealthy cultures in in previous roles I've had. And I want to just be very mindful about like really setting up my team for success and pouring into them and giving them as much value as possible and, you know, making it like yeah. more like a family dynamic where we all can really just grow in this place.
0: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's that why theater. we have the, the team meetings. We always start off with what are you grateful for? By yeah. the way, shout out to Brianna, our head of photography and production. Today is her birthday. If you know her, if you see her say happy birthday, uh, we celebrate birthdays, you know, we celebrate each other. And a, a lot of my team actually has have full-time jobs elsewhere. And they just work part-time for me on, they have a very flexible schedule. They just pop in whenever we clients clients work is necessary to be done. And so they, and they all get to live their own life. They all, a lot, half of them, I would say have kids and that comes first, you know, and uh, actually we have it in our manual that you're not allowed to work on your birthday and uh, that we, you know, we take the day after a holiday off so that we could still like, recoup from the holiday. So it's it's all about family first. So I completely agree with you on that.
1: I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to implement in that that into my business. That's a really cool idea.
0: Yeah. A birthday's it's illegal. It's just you don't work on your the birthday.
1: day after a holiday, like Yes. You just, your life is just not together. You're not ready. No.
0: <laughs> You've had a lot to eat and maybe some people are traveling and you know, how many people do you hear about that? They can't see family cause they have to work. You know, that's first and foremost, they need that extra yeah. day of travel if it's necessary. So Lindsay, let's tell everybody you help uh, women to feel more beautiful. Well, maybe not just women, people feel more beautiful in their own skin in the greater Pittsburgh area. Uh, tell us all the services.
1: Yeah, so the spa um, we offer permanent makeup. That was obviously like my wheelhouse when I opened my business initially. So we still very much open or offer all the permanent makeup uh, services. I just hired a permanent makeup artist, Cheyenne Porter. So she's amazing. Um, I actually she was my first student when I started training. I also train, and um, over three years ago. So she's been doing this for a while, and I'm really excited to have her back in the brand and grow and you know really develop her into our lead permanent makeup artist. So. We still, I'm still doing permanent makeup as well, but you know, as my role um, changes and grows, it's gonna be her. She's gonna be the number one. So we do brows, liner, lip blushing. I personally uh, do all the injectable services: Botox, Dysport, you know, neuromodulators, dermal filler. We off- offer Sculptra, which is a biostimulator to help reproduce collagen. Kybella as a fat dissolver. And then we're kind of moving into the medical grade skincare. We have Zio Skin Health available at the spa for purchase. Um, we're looking to hire an esthetician. So we're really going to bring on all the facials, peels, um, you know, laser services, those sort of things. So it really will be like an all-encompassing full-service medical spa, um, IV hydration, um, different like vitamin, mineral, like injections that you can kind of add on to those sort of things. So that's like the spa brand itself. And then me as an individual, I'm, I'm looking to really get back into the educational thing. I, I did train with permanent makeup. I want to start training new injectors and just kind of being that mentor to them. Cause I think in business, I, I you know, I I started my business from the ground up. I, like I said, I, it was in my dining room. So I think that there's a lot of, um, I think people fall into two, two categories that either don't know where to start or they're afraid to. And I kind of want to help bridge that and just help, Mentor, aspire, and lead those new injectors into that space that, that they want to do it. So
0: that's amazing. I think that's such an important thing to do. I think about anything that you're trying to do in your life. Uh is if somebody's showing you how, you're gonna bridge that gap, like you said, of that timeline and you're gonna collapse it and get there a lot, a lot quicker. So yeah. thank you for doing that. And how can the viewers and listeners help you uh in the rest of 2023, what would you love to accomplish and how can, how can we help you to accomplish that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, come get services. We're located in Cranberry Township. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that area, but the meter housing plan and then Dominico's restaurant, we're in the same plaza as Dominico. So
0: please. Oh, okay. To- That's where you are. Gotcha. I know where you yeah, are.
1: Yeah, Right off 19. Um, we actually do have like a little open house uh, ribbon cutting ceremony skincare event, uh, next Wednesday. So if you guys are free and want to come by, we'll be there all day. Um, we have like mimosas and charcuterie, so it'll be a really fun Sounds event.
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah. And then, um, just follow us like social media. Instagram is where we're most active Facebook as well. Uh, it's at scrubbed aesthetics and scrubbed aesthetics.com. Um, so that, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's how you find me.
0: <laughs> Not awesome. And we'll have the link to her Instagram in the show notes or captions or wherever it is that you're watching or listening. And I'm sure that you'll be able to find more information about that event there. I'll be in Italy next Wednesday. And it's one of the most beautiful things that I get to be grateful for is the team will be holding down the fort for myself uh, for uh, two weeks. while And my husband and uh, older children will be holding down the fort at home while I go and uh, honor my mama on the one year anniversary of her passing. And I get to go and visit her nonna, her, um, I'm sorry, my nonna, uh, her sister, her best friends, everybody in Rome, and then I'll hit up Paris and visit some cousins there. Um, so next week, we're actually going to be recording next week's episode tonight. It won't be live, but it will be streamed for you. I have Alex uh, Prigslove on the show. She's a phenomenal uh, woman entrepreneur who helps women to skyrocket their income, 10 exit, reach those hundred K months. And she was recently, she's recently returned from Africa. And I'm so excited to hear about her story. And we'll be sharing that with you next week until next time, everyone. Bye.